0: Me log out so that way I don't accidentally do anything. That's part of the fun, though—a little element of danger. Alex. Dude, I've I've done that way too many times. Mm, beautiful. I know I am. Thanks, you're too kind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pop Talks, everybody. I am Alex sitting in with a seasoned radio vet who has been in markets all around the mid-Atlantic region, dominating the airwaves that you listen to. It's Jeff Hunter. Where am I again? I How mean, are seriously, you? I
1: was in the hallway. You came and grabbed me and just said, get in here. You never you never said what this was supposed to be about.
0: <laughs> oh man. But yeah. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm um, living the dream. Finally.
1: That's the, the default radio answer. First of all, anybody listening needs to know, if you ever ask a radio personality how they're doing, we're always going to say living the dream. Well,
0: it is honestly a dream. It really is. Seriously. Like, it's, a, it's a great job. We don't work, really. No. And we, you got. if you think about it, you we really get paid just to talk to people all day. And usually you and I are in the lobby, usually just kind of messing around anyway, so... Yeah, up until it's showtime. Pretty much. And even during showtime in between, I got a lot of, I have, there's songs in between when I talk. So we call that show prep. Yeah, it is show prep. (laughs) So you've been in radio 16, 17
1: years? Just uh, reached a 17 year point uh, this month, actually. Yeah. Oh,
0: man. It's been a minute, hasn't it?
1: I'll tell you what, though, it goes by fast. I feel like it was still my first show yesterday, Mm -hmm. but I blinked and seriously. 17 years later, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky and blessed to still be doing this, first of all, because you know, as well as I do, radio kind of goes through some tough times every now and then. Exactly. But our company, you know, Seven Mountains Media, I got to give them a shout out because they really do take fantastic care of us.
0: Yeah. So how old were you when you first got really like into the radio industry?
1: All right. A couple different answers for that, depending on what you want. Yeah, I did my first internship at 16. Over the course of a summer, and I had known I wanted to do radio well before that, Mm -hmm. but that really got me hooked. So I went to college for broadcast communications, obviously. I did two and a half years on my college's radio station, and I wasn't going to go to a four-year school if I needed to, but I got lucky, and I got my first full-time radio job straight out of college. That's really awesome. It never works out that way, so I'm really lucky it did.
0: Yeah, and you said you got your first internship at 16, but you'd been hooked before that. So what sparked that desire to be in the industry?
1: It's weird because that's the one question I never know how to answer. But my earliest memories, seriously, are sitting in my parents' living room and we had like the old, you know, hi-fi system with the record player and everything. And I would just sit there between the speakers and just listen to the radio and just kind of like soak it all in. And of course, you know, when you're like three, four years old, you think there's little people in there actually performing live. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people might still think that's how it works, but I'm not here to judge. Seriously, I guess I had already known since I was a little kid, I just wanted to do it. Like, I've always loved music and I could play guitar a little bit. I can't sing. So I figured this was the next best thing to going into the entertainment industry.
0: Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people seem to think that if you want to be a musician or play an instrument or sing, getting into radio is a good alternative route, which I think if you want to be around the industry, it makes sense that you could get yourself connected with people that way. Absolutely. But I really don't think a lot of DJs that are out there took to radio to make it in the music biz. You know what I mean? Not really. We do because we love to entertain. I mean,
1: some of us are natural comedians. Some of us just like being informative. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, it wasn't really wanting to kind of go into the musical industry route unless it was like on the back end, like working at a record label or at a studio or something like that. But just for I just. Like hearing the sound of my own voice, I guess. Yeah. But no, it's it's really, it's just a fun job and you get to talk about music and you know as well as I do that there's a lot of great connections, like you said, that we make, whether it's the record labels, the artists. I mean, no one has as much fun at work as we do and the perks really are second to none.
0: Exactly. You said that you got your first internship at 16. Where was that? That was actually at the station I eventually worked for at my first full-time job.
1: That was at uh, Cumulus Radio in scranton wilkes my hometown.
0: So that was the same. That was your first full-time gig and, and that's my first where your internship, internship,
1: you know, so you figure five years between those. And I'll tell you what, over the course of, you know, five years from 2003, 2004 to 2007, 2008, Radio had changed already by that point a lot in those few years. And if I go back to my first internship and look at how things now, it's two completely different industries. There is nothing alike between those two time frames.
0: Yeah. And you also said that you enjoy the sound of your own voice. Is that just a confidence you have? Because for me, that was probably the biggest hurdle when I started talking on air and being becoming more of a personality. I really struggled to get over the sound of my own voice because I did not like it. I was like, does that really how I sound? It came with time.
1: I'll tell you that much. So in a way, it is a confidence thing because I still have cassette tapes and I know cassette tapes are apparently cool again with Generation (laughs) Z. I don't know why. Let's bring CDs back and then we could talk. But I still have tapes of my earliest air checks. And for anybody that doesn't know the inside baseball, an air check basically is just you recording your breaks to play back to a program director or whoever to kind of get critiqued on.
0: Yeah, it's essentially a radio personality's resume. Exactly. Because your paper does not tell people how well you talk. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And that's kind of important for what we do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I said, it came with confidence. So if I go back and listen to these early tapes, dude, I have no idea what I was thinking. I was talking really (laughs) too fast, way too high. Like it was nothing like my natural voice. And I had like a southern twang in my voice. I have no idea why. I think it's just emulating what you think a country radio personality would sound like and kind of going with it. But, yeah, I was terrible when I first started for the first really year or two until I got a program director in the building who really sat down with me and coached me. And then just over time, it's just, you know, like any other craft, you work at it and you work at it some more. And eventually, you know, you, you kind of get comfortable with everything.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things about this industry I think that's really changed, and in my opinion, for the better, is that radio voice is kind of gone and dated and a little old. Not a lot of people have that deep, soothing, powerful radio voice anymore, and I think a lot of people driving in their cars enjoy listening to just – a natural voice that everybody speaks with on an everyday basis.
1: Exactly. And if you want to kind of see what radio used to sound like, uh, go on YouTube and type in California air checks. He was this guy. He would go around the country between the 80s and 90s. And just record DJs in the studio. It's like video air checks, essentially. And you hear a lot of people that were talking like this back then. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. I mean, I think you'll have some older people that might. That's just how they kind of came up in the industry. And that's what they know. And that's fine. I mean, there's definitely a time and a place for that. But yeah, I mean, anybody that you sit down with these days, they're going to tell you, just be yourself. Exactly. That's really all that matters.
0: Yeah. So can you describe in Scranton... Wilkes-Barre area you're in the studio for your first full-time show sweating bullets Exactly. sweating bullets even here my first show that I did I thought it was 120 degrees in this studio right here I was nervous I was hot it was it was tough it was probably the worst show I have ever done and will ever do in the future of my career as well, well. And, you know, we still see it when clients come in
1: to record commercials. Once that red light on the microphone goes on, a lot of people just freeze up. Like, they're afraid of it. And I I was too. You were at one point as well. It's intimidating. It really is knowing that when that light goes on, you're talking to, you know, thousands of people at,
0: at once. Yeah, it's it can be very, very scary. And it is something that... I think working in Tampa part time as helping out producing, helping out as on air stuff for just Sunday morning shows or Saturday morning shows. I think that really helped me get to a point where I was a little bit more comfortable, but it still is extremely intimidating. I mean, there's still times at this point, 17 years after I first
1: started, I still get intimidated by certain things. I mean, I've just recently started filling in on the morning show. On Bigfoot country our sister station here in the building and morning radio is a completely different beast to anything else you will ever do in this industry, and I'm still getting better at it because I don't fill in all that often, but the first time I did, I mean, it was an absolute train wreck, and that's coming from someone who's been doing this for 17 years.
0: Exactly, so when were some of your really biggest challenges going through at your first full-time job? What were some of the biggest learning points, learning curves that you really had to overcome learning how to be and on air personality that people listen to every day. And frankly, that you are a part of their everyday routine. Well, I will say really for the first year or so I was there,
1: I mean, I really had no direction. I kind of got thrown out there and it's like, well, good luck. You're kind of on your own now. After about a year or so, We got a new program director in the building, like I said, and he really just kind of took to me. I still talk to him to this day, as a matter of fact, and he really made it a point, we're going to have weekly air checks. We're going to sit down. Here's what you're doing good. Here's what you need to improve on. And it's really just kind of having somebody invest in me and take the time to really kind of show me the ropes as to how I'm doing the air quotes right now is supposed to be.
0: Yeah, And having somebody to air check you and really coach you, for me, having an athlete's mindset, Mm Is crucial. And that was something that Jerry has told me a couple times. Like, this is not a personal attack. We need to improve. And the only way we can improve and get better is with criticism. And honestly, if you can't take constructive criticism, you're in the wrong industry. I know. And everybody, and this is an industry where, everyone has an opinion Pe- and everyone's opinion is going to be completely different what mm-hmm. one program director tells you might
1: not be what another program director is looking for I mean so you could talk to 10 different program directors one after another and I guarantee they're all going to tell you 10 different things just how they think it should sound
0: yeah and it's even hard coming into a new a new market because you've gone to a couple different markets correct
1: yeah I started in Scranton Wilkesbury my hometown Went to Elmira, New York after that for a very short period of time. Ironically, stations that Seven Mountains Media owns now. Went back to Scranton-Wilkes-Barre for a little bit. Ended up in State College. More stations that we own now, which it's really ironic that we're kind of like buying all these stations I worked at at one point in time or another. But again, and again, one more quick shout out to Seven Mountains because we're still buying stations. We invest in talent and we're owned by people that know good radio. That's the
0: important thing. Yeah, Kirby is absolutely incredible.
1: And I first met Kirby when I was in State College because that was a froggy station. I mean, we own it now. I could say it. Big Froggy 101 in Mm -hmm. State College. I was there for seven years, 2010 to 2017. And I had another great mentor in State College and Chris Prospero, who just passed away, actually, within the last year. Again, he's one of those guys, like nicest guy in the world. He's going to sit down and talk to you. You know, like a human being, not going to beat you up in air check sessions, but he wants you to be the best version of yourself. So definitely miss Chris a lot. And just after seven years in State College, I was perfectly happy there. had a great time my seven years there. At some point, though, you're kind of ready for a change. And I went to Haver Grace, Maryland, the Wilmington, Delaware market uh, for a couple of years, WXCYFM. Loved it there. I mean, to be totally honest, I was ready to plant my roots in Maryland you know, living near the beach, not a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Then uh this little thing called COVID nineteen kind of happens. <laughs> yeah. May have heard of it.
0: Yeah. Um so speaking of mentors, you've you've mentioned two so far. And there's a third one, my uh, PD at WXCY, Brad Austin. Again,
1: love the guy. I've had 3 I've been lucky in that case to have three great mentors in Mark Lindau. Chris Prospero, Brad Austin. You know, still love them all to this day. And I really credit any success I've had in this business, all, all of those three guys.
0: right? Yeah, there. and the mentors I have in Tampa, Florida, a few of the online friends that I've made that work in other markets across the country, and even in this building, I Shout think... Shout out Radio Peeps message board, by the way. Yeah, Radio <laughs> Peeps message board, is crazy. But like, I think... I really think mentors in this industry are among the most important people across the board. Absolutely. Mentoring younger talent is one of the key ways I think radio will stay around forever. It's the only way I think it's going to stay around. I mean, because
1: as opposed to you and Jackie, I don't know many people younger than me that really are interested and want to kind of get involved in being in radio.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And I think right now is a very pivotal point. And I think doing podcasts like this is a good way to kind of give people who do listen to radio every day or people who are mildly interested in radio a little peek behind the curtain. And it also gives a deeper connection, I think, between the personality and the people that they listen to on the radio every single day.
1: For sure, because Alec in real life and Alec on the radio, I mean, maybe you can relate to this, is that you're kind of playing a part on the radio, It's still you, but it's definitely an amped up version of yourself. Exactly. You got to turn
0: yourself up a little bit.
1: Like Jeff Hunt and Jeff Hunter are not the same person.
0: They're two completely different personalities. Mm -hmm. They got the same roots, but one's a little bit more out there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but you got to do that. It's the only way that you can set yourself apart from the show before you or the show after you in any sense, really.
1: And the first thing I learned about being in radio ever was it's theater of the mind, which it really is. If you can kind of kind of plan a scene or a picture in somebody's head, you're
0: doing your job. If you could pick like a top five things about being a radio personality, what would you say is like the highlight, the the golden medal of being on air every day.
1: I think it's really just the satisfaction knowing that you reached your local community. And again, whether it's you know a smaller town or a bigger city, it's it's all the same. You might be talking to more people in one than the other, but it's still the same people with the same feelings that, you know, if they're investing in me by listening to me, I want to give them the best value I can and the best show I can every single day
0: that's why i love radio so much it's so local and you are a part of the community not just as like a community advocate a community talking head a community like you're not just a voice in the community you are the news source in some cases and you are somebody's drive home every day you're somebody's Entertainment at work while they're getting their stuff done. Somebody has a bad day at work. They can turn me on on the way home and hopefully hear something that makes them forget about the bad day or hear songs that make them forget about a rough day at work. Absolutely. I think it's a benefit, too, that our listeners know that we are live
1: and local in the community. I mean, I'm sure they know by now there are a ton of syndicated radio shows out there. But you and I, we live in town. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone can go to Walmart probably tomorrow and see me walking around. Exactly. So it's not like, you know, we're and it's certainly one of those things. By all means, if you ever see any of us out in person, come and say hi. Yeah. I mean, we're all friendly people. I mean, I always say I'm a normal person that just happens to have a really unique and cool job.
0: Yeah, we definitely are. And again, same goes for me. Uh I've already run into a couple people wearing my pop hat and they're like, oh, do you know the afternoon person? And I'm like, I am the afternoon person. I'll tell you
1: what, it was really funny, man. When I worked at froggy and state college, I mean, again, seven years, it's a long time to kind of build up a reputation in a town. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound egotistical and I apologize, but I really could not go anywhere without at least one person recognizing me.
0: And for me, this is my first full time on air position. So, Going out and knowing people are listening or if I'm wearing the pop stuff and they say hello and they mention a part of my show that they just absolutely enjoy, it makes me feel good that I'm doing stuff that people actually enjoy listening to every single day. You're connecting. And that's really what it's all about. When you really break it down, it's about connecting to other people. Exactly. So... At this point in your radio career, what would you say is probably your biggest accomplishment?
1: Now, there's a couple different ones. I will say probably the biggest one was back in 2017, right before I left State College for Maryland. uh, There's a big convention in Nashville every year called Country Radio Seminar. And it's exactly what it is. You go down, you hang out with the artists, the record labels, you make your connections down there. And they have the Country Air Check Awards every single year at the very end of CRS. And a lot of people go for these nominations. A lot of people try to win these awards. And somehow, I still have no idea how, I got through as a finalist for Small Market Personality of the Year. One of five people across the entire country that got the nomination. And I didn't win, but just to kind of be in that conversation was huge
0: for me. Exactly. It's almost like a, like when an athlete gets nominated or is compared to a legend that everyone's like, that's, that's just a big deal. And it's an honor to be in the same breath as some of these really strong personalities, strong athletes in that uh, example. But making connections and meeting a bunch of people at Country Radio Seminar or even just in your everyday career, who would you say are some of the coolest people you've met? Coolest people.
1: Uh, Are you kind of going by just by name value or just, you know, like they were actually a really cool person to kind of talk to for a couple minutes? Why not both? Uh, Probably Keith Urban. You know, Keith Urban is my favorite country artist of all time. And he's as cool as you think he would be. Like he'll just kind of come hang out backstage, you know talk to you for 10, 15 minutes until it's time to kind of go get ready for the show. And, you know, the fact like he could walk into a room. He's like, hey, Jeff, how you been? Like, wait, like you know who I am. <laughs> you remember my name? I'm sure he gets coached up by his record rep before oh, he goes I'm into sure. any situation like that. But still, I mean, that's still really, yeah. really cool.
0: And it's not that he just doesn't care. He those people meet. So many radio DJs, so many fans every single day. It's it's probably next to impossible. They all blur together after a while. Yeah, it's probably so impossible for some of these personalities, fans and record people to stand out so much that they are 100 percent remembered by artists (laughs) all the time. I will say I will argue, though, I think Garth Brooks
1: does have a photographic memory. You could you could bring a topic up to Garth Brooks about like a show he played thirty-five years ago and he can kind of rattle off the details like nobody's business. It's it's insane. I, I've heard him do it, I've seen him do it in front of me, and it's
0: really incredible. What would you say without throughout this industry and throughout your entire career, what is your dream job and what are some of your future goals? What are some Bigger things that you really want to accomplish. Dream job, it's definitely
1: to still be a program director at a country station. I've been close. I've been an assistant program director, music director. which is kind of like the, the very next step below on the ladder. It's one step below. In a bigger market, ideally, somewhere warm, because even though I'm a Pennsylvania boy, born and raised... The winters are kind of getting to be a little too much for me at this point.
0: Yeah, this past winter was a little brutal Come a little in, bit. coming back to Pennsylvania from Florida. It was a little rough.
1: Well, when I lived in Maryland for the three and a half years I was there, I didn't see snow once. That's odd. I mean, it still got cold, but it might be because I lived right on the Chesapeake Bay. I think that made me kind of tempered things a little bit from turning to snow.
0: Mm, yeah, maybe. But yeah, going going down to Florida in October, right as it started to get cold up here, and being there all through through the entire year, incredibly hot. I think the coldest day was maybe sixty degrees. That that sounds amazing. To me. It was. I didn't. I was not a huge fan of it. But I don't know. I up playing hockey my whole life. I I like the cold. I don't mind it. So the cold ca- never bothered you, anyways. What you're saying exactly? <laughs> Call me. Uh, what's her name? Princess Elsa. Or, Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. Queen Elsa, whatever. Anyway, to, to not dive too deep into Disney, it's just one of those things where this industry is another thing that can really just take you anywhere. You could be here in our area, Du Bois uh, Market, one day, and then next thing you know, you're getting a call from somebody who heard an air check that you handed off a year ago in Texas. Potentially or California, maybe not California. I'm not, I'm not quite that good to go to like LA or anything, but you know, like you could go anywhere, anytime uh, really. And the thing is too, you have to be open to moving too, because
1: if you look at radio jobs, I did this a lot uh, when I got laid off because of COVID when I was looking for another job and I eventually came here, but I mean, you see these job openings, they're all over the country and you have to be kind of re really opening really open, I should say, to not maybe get your dream market right away, but to kind of have to go to Montana or Utah, you know, put your time in there, and then eventually kind of, it's really like anything else. Like, it's basically, think of it as like a stepping stone or a ladder that you have to start, maybe start small sometimes and eventually just kind of work your way up to a bigger market every single time until you get to your dream job.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even if you are in a state like Pennsylvania, we're not a small state. We're not at all. So, no. you could work in this kind of a market that's relatively small, has a we have a very strong reach. We are oh, reaching absolutely. a large area of people every day, but for the most part we're a very small market. And then you could move to a York, a Harrisburg. That's a little bit bigger but still not dominant. And then go from there move up to A a Philadelphia, a Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, a Pittsburgh, you know, like there's every size market in this state, whereas like a Delaware or Rhode Island is probably really Providence, Rhode Island. That's going to be your only real major market. And really, in my case, too, Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, there's the smaller states, I think, are a little bit more harder to build yourself up and use like that ladder. If you are tied to a state, there's just fewer options. That's the only reason why you don't want to leave a state or a general area. Uh, The bigger the bigger your area is that you would ideally like to be in, I think you have a better shot of staying there and, and working the, your way up. And the thing is, too, I think market
1: sizes in this day and age, they don't mean what they used to be. I mean, before the Internet, before you could stream any station you want online. Yeah, maybe market size was really kind of a goal to try and reach for. I want to be in, you know, a top 10 market somewhere. But really, I mean, we're all kind of on an even playing field these days, whether your market one New York or our market in Dubois, because we live on the Internet. You can exactly. find us anywhere, anytime. You know, it's not like we're we're only talking to an audience in Dubois and Clearfield. Mm-hmm. You know, we can really reach the entire world in he's, this day and age.
0: Yeah, we can. Like Moose for the polka party, oh, he's getting shout out to Moose. He's getting requests from England, from the Caribbean, all over the place, and even even this podcast, like. We got our top five on the board right there. Pittsburgh, our signal for terrestrial radio does not reach Pittsburgh, but 24 people are listening to this show that we put out every week. And then number two is Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada is our number two spot. Never been to Canada, but I definitely want to go and visit one day. I know Now that I know we got fans out there, maybe we got to go say hi. We may have to. I know. Will the company fund that, do you think? I don't know. We can ask. might be worth asking. (laughs) It might be. So go into all these different markets. And in my interview, Kirby asked me, would you ever take a radio station's name, such as Jeff Hunter, in reference to you being on Bigfoot and Harry Mann is on Bigfoot? Obviously, his name is not Harry Mann. (laughs) Um, Julie Squatch is another one. Uh, so you've gone to, from froggies to Bigfoots. What are some of your favorite radio names that you've had? <laughs> I was Hopper for seven years
1: at Froggy and State College. And again, like the, the froggy thing is you have to live the lifestyle. Mm. And I mean, at first I was definitely not really comfortable with being Hopper. And I would tell people, it's like, oh, just call me Jeff. But it's one of those things you really have to kind of buy into it. You know, the listeners are in on the gag. They know Hopper's not my real name. Yeah. They know. I mean, Jeff Hunter is a play on my real name, mm-hmm. but yeah, they knew my name wasn't Hopper. So yeah, yeah. It, it's, I don't want to say it's corny, but it's definitely one of those things that you have to kind of get comfortable with. It's a, it's a sign of being confident and being comfortable in your own skin to do that. Now, I'm yeah. a 38
0: year old guy and I was Hopper on the radio for seven years. I mean, you do the math. Yeah. And with Froggy, especially, I think it's more of a traditional thing. Exactly. It's heritage and... The Froggy name carries a lot of weight, mm-hmm. not only in the country radio industry, but in the radio industry in general. And even in media, just Absolutely. across the board. Froggy, anybody who's seen The Office knows what Froggy 101 Absolutely. is. And the owner of Seven Mountains Media. Kirby, Kirby Kristen
1: Cantrell. Kristen and then and
0: her father, Kirby. Kirby Started Froggy. That's his thing.
1: Has he told you the story about how he came up with Froggy yet?
0: No, he hasn't. Next time you see
1: Kirby, you have to ask him because the story, it's one for the ages. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but the story, it's really that
0: good. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple towns in Kentucky that listen. So maybe he's one of them. So, Kirby, if you're listening. We love you. You're incredible. You have told me. I don't think I've talked to Kirby yet without smiling. And I met him maybe three, four times. Kirby is the smartest radio guy
1: you will ever meet in your entire life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: just his energy and his love of life is infectious. Yeah. Because, you know, I've never seen Kirby with anything less than a smile on his face. He really cares about other radio people in general. Yeah. Not not just us, but just in general. I mean, he's the kind of guy he will give advice to anybody that asks him for it. About
0: anything. Absolutely. Whether it's in the radio industry or what tomato sauce you should buy.
1: Exactly. He's lived a lot of life and, you know, he has a lot of knowledge. If you sit down and listen to Kirby Confer, I mean, you are going to learn a lot as long as you go in with an open mind.
0: Oh, I, you probably could talk to him for three days and not even I, scratch the surface. I wish I could talk to Kirby for three days straight. You couldn't even scratch the surface of what that guy knows in three days. It's, it's, it's very impressive. And it's really cool that... We get to work for him, alongside of him, and have an open forum of communications with them down in Kentucky whenever we would need something or if we just need help. It's really, really cool, and I love it. And, yeah, and and people need to know that, too, that, like, if you
1: work for a bigger conglomerate, I'm not going to name any names. I think anyone— Maybe has an idea as to who they are and who I'm referring to. Well, it's not
0: even in the industry. It's across the board.
1: But especially in the radio industry, I feel like. I mean, if you try and get a hold of the president of your company, the owner of your company, when you work for a big conglomerate, good luck. I mean, you might hear back six months later, if you're even lucky. Mm -hmm. They might not even know your name or who you are. Exactly. It's like, oh, he works for us. What? Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about Seven Mountains Media, it really does feel like a family. I mean, our owner, Kristen Cantrell, is amazing. And you can call the office in Kentucky. Half the time, Kristen is the one answering the phones down there.
0: Exactly. How many times are you how, and how many times are you able to go out to lunch with the owner of your company? Yeah, it doesn't happen anywhere else. How many times does the owner of the company interview you for the job? <laughs> when I got interviewed for this job,
1: I mean, I got interviewed by pretty much our entire corporate team, including our owner. I mean, that's a little intimidating, but I guess I did something right. But the thing is, and Kristen is the nicest person in the world, too. I mean, without a doubt, you know, you could tell she really cares about the people to work for. And she wants you to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And we can email any of our corporate
0: team uh, and they will get back to you usually same day within a couple hours. Yeah, it's awesome. But. Finally, my last question for you is how can people listening to pop talks tune into you and listen to you every single day? If they're looking for country music in their lives, lovemybigfoot.com. Stream it live. If you're not in the area, and obviously, lo- we have a lot of Dubois <laughs> Clearfield listeners to this show, so you can just tune in to 1021 and, and 101.3. 3.
1: We're on Facebook, Instagram, same thing. Love my Bigfoot.
0: Give us a like, give us a follow, and uh, we would love you for it oh without a doubt and thank you for listening to this episode of pop talks with jeff hunter thanks for having me man appreciate it it was a blast and make sure you check out our website popradiopa.com follow us on instagram and facebook at pop radio pa go back listen to as many of the episodes of pop talks that you missed talk to you again next week